Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and I'm on a journey to become successful. What do I mean by it's not that deep you might ask? Well, I think as humans we often overcomplicate what we need to do to reach our potential. You see, I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be maximizing the one life that we have, and that's why I bring on leaders from all walks of life to discuss their journey, the lessons they've learned, and advice they have so that we can all level up our health, wealth, and happiness. I invite you to join me on this journey by heading over to my website itsnotthatdeeppodcast.com and signing up for Deepak's Deep Dive newsletter. This is where I'll be sharing with you some of the lessons I've learned from guests and throughout my journey. I'll be including links to blog posts, podcast episodes, and exclusive content, so make sure you sign up to never miss a beat. Okay, now this is what you're here for. This week's guest is Mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson. Currently serving his third consecutive term as mayor, Jim Watson has been leading Ottawa for over a decade. He has an impressive resume and has served as Ottawa City Councillor, Member of Provincial Parliament, CEO of the Canadian Tourism Commission, Minister of Consumer and Business Services, Minister of Health Promotion, and much more. In the episode, we discuss how he's able to manage being such an active and public mayor and attending thousands of events every year, why he believes Ottawa is the best city in Canada, the present and future outlook of Ottawa's infrastructure, and also what he likes to do to unwind. This podcast is produced by Deep Digital Media. Our mission is built on the four C's, connecting communities through creative content. Drop us a line today at connect at deepdigitalmedia.ca for help building, managing, and promoting your own podcast, video series, online course, and so much more. I really do hope you enjoyed this episode and just remember, it's not that deep. Mayor Watson, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. Thanks very much, Deepak. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you have an insane schedule, especially with everything going on lately. Um, You know, obviously, this is a very tough time right now for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I I know it's obviously got to be tough on you as well, having to manage all these different things and everybody kind of looking to you for for some kind of guidance or some kind of answers. But, you know, what can you kind of tell people to give them some hope that this will end? Well, look at history tells us that, you know, we've been through, you know, over the centuries, uh, the Spanish flu and influenza and AIDS and SARS. And, uh, you know, we have uh, great minds that are working on a vaccine and obviously uh, very proud of people like Dr. Vera Etches, our medical officer of health, whose health is working, uh, you know, around the clock with her dedicated group of uh, doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals. Our hospital system is uh, running uh, very well. And at the end of the day, uh, this pandemic uh, will end and uh, we will find a cure. Uh, But it certainly taught us a a lot over the last uh, six or seven weeks of the vulnerabilities of uh, the world's population, not just our city's population. When something like this spreads so quickly in so many different countries, uh, literally every country in the world. Absolutely. It's had a tremendous impact. But one kind of on a positive note, uh, one thing that I noticed that, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not sure how how legit this is, but, um, you know, you've announced that farmers markets might be something that, you know, we'd consider opening and and that people would still be able to get outside and enjoy a little bit of the summer that we we rarely enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, farmers markets are are very popular and, and they serve uh, a wonderful purpose, getting fresh fruit and vegetables uh, out to people's homes. And obviously it supports our farming industry. Ottawa has uh, something like 
500 farms, believe it or not, you know, because we're a big agricultural city because 82% of our, our land mass is agricultural or, or forest or, or open green space. So we're proud of that. And, uh, but we, we have to also be cautious. You know, we can't open business as usual. There's going to have to be physical distancing, uh, limit the number of people in the farmer's market at one time, similar to what they're doing now at grocery stores where you have to line up for a little bit, make sure you follow the, the arrows on the, on the, um, floor so that uh, we don't uh, get the set false sense that we're doing really well and then all of a sudden the numbers spike back up again and we see more deaths which is the last thing we want to do absolutely uh one thing that i really did want to want to say to you and and something that you know i find very interesting is is that you're an extremely active and visible mayor like you're, you're heavily involved in a lot of the city's activities. You're constantly attending events and appearing in the public eye. And, you know, I've even personally met you many times. You might not remember, obviously, because you meet so many people, but, you I'm know. I forget a celebrity like you. Come on, be back. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. But I've seen you at Hope Volleyball, Panda Game, all these kinds of things. So my question is kind of like, are there days where even you just feel like, man, there's just too many things, too many appearances. Like, I just want to chill yeah you know it, it's interesting because I, I love what I do and I you know one of the things that's really frustrated me the last six or seven weeks is I've had so little contact with with people you know you my staff which are great and, and lots of teleconferences but that's not the same as going to events and charity fundraisers and so on and so I miss that interaction and I think last year we got something like 5100 invitations for wow. different events and, and, <laughs> and so on and and that's great. You know, people want to see me at their events. And if it helps sell tickets to a charity cause, then, then all the better. Uh, but I think it's important. One of the frustrations I've always had with politicians is a lot of them get elected and then they sort of disappear for a few years and then they're back in your doorstep looking for, for a vote. I think it's important to be visible in between elections and go to these events. Try your best to, to help, whether it's a, a fundraiser for a school or a charity uh, event uh, you know, or not-for-profit organization. And, uh, you know, someone jokingly years ago said I'd go to the opening of an envelope. And I think they were trying to make it a bit of an insult, but I took it as a compliment. So, you know, I'd be worried if I'm not invited to a lot of things. And I guess the other thing, Deepak, to remember is that there used to be 10 mayors in Ottawa. And then in the year 2000, we went through an amalgamation. And so there was a mayor of Vanier and Gloucester and Canada and West Carleton and, and um, Cumberland. And uh, now there's one. So there's still, you know, duties and responsibilities to make sure you're the mayor of rural Ottawa, suburban Ottawa, and urban Ottawa. So I, I enjoy getting out and about, but you know, to answer your direct question there, you know, Friday nights, I'd like not to have a bunch of events. I like to just sort of crash and watch Netflix or something like that because the next day and the next day after that Saturday and Sunday is almost like your second job right. where you've got all of these community events and barbecues and, and stuff. So you want to have at least one night to sort of uh, just chill. What's your Netflix show right now? Um, well, I just finished Tiger King, which okay. uh, was really weird and uh, bizarre. And uh, I was telling someone the other day, I said, I've never seen so many bad Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. You know, I guess <laughs> you made a lot of movies. They're all sort of the same premise. And, and not a lot of them made it to the theaters. So I think it was like direct to DVD and, and now direct to Netflix. So, um, you know, it, it's actually been a bit of a... Um, you know, a godsend because you're, you're at home and you're sort of bored and you can do so much work from home, but then every once in a while you want to take a break. 
And so I think, you know, the, the Netflix fee, whatever it is now, $15 or something a month, uh, it's well worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, I know you keep up with a number of priorities, such as driving the economy, protecting our river, per, uh, providing affordable housing, uh, investing in infrastructure, arts and culture. But what what drives you to keep going? What is what is something that like internally drives you to just keep going? Because you know these are a lot of different things that you're you're trying to focus on and juggle, and that's also just the tip of the iceberg of your day to day responsibility. So what what really drives you? What keeps you going? Well, I think you know the the fact that every day I come into work. Um, you know, normally when we come into work, uh, uh, not working from home, but. Uh, it's a sense of honor that, you know, I was elected uh, four times to be mayor of Ottawa and we're a very special city, not just because we're Ottawa, we're also the nation's capital. And what drives me is decisions that we make here at City Hall each and every day uh, can have a profound impact, both positive and negative in the community. And ultimately, you know, a, a leader's job, whether you're the premier, the prime minister or, or a mayor, uh, is to ensure the safety and protection of your citizens and um, the economic well-being of your community. You know, before the COVID-19 crisis hit us seven weeks ago now, seven or eight weeks ago, uh, our economy was firing on all cylinders. You know, we had the unemployment rate that was, was the lowest, I think, in about 30 years at 4.2, 4.3%. Lots of uh, high-tech companies couldn't uh, find enough people to work. Our tourism industry was uh, doing amazing since, you know, the real kickstart of 2017, the 150th anniversary. And so all of these things, you know, were, were coming together. And now the task for us as leaders in the business community and labor and politics is to help these businesses get back up on their feet because they create jobs and create opportunities for, for people to, who, who live here and who we want to attract to, to live in our city. Absolutely. Um, yeah, something you said that's like, you know, really, really important to me is that how much the city really means to you as well. And the city is obviously very near and dear to my heart as well, being raised here, uh, you know, coming here, you know, uh, at a very, very young age with immigrant parents and then being raised in Ottawa pretty much my whole life. All my friends and family are here. But even despite all that, even I catch myself comparing Ottawa to some other major cities, uh, even in Canada with maybe some better infrastructure, maybe some bigger events, maybe a more global presence, uh, if you will. And obviously, it's all about the mentality towards what your city really does have to offer. And I have really found some beautiful things that you know, keep me here. But what, is the, what does the future of this city look like for you? And specifically in the next 10 years, how do you see kind of some people's mindset towards boring old Ottawa uh, changing? I think that's, you know, that's, that's a, uh, a bit of an urban myth that we're a boring city. You know, maybe back in the 60s or something we were because we were mostly a government town. But the economy is really diversified. You look at the company just across the street from me here at Shopify. You know, I think it's now the second largest corporation in, uh, in the country. And uh, that, you know, is a company that will attract other companies to locate in Ottawa. And we have people like Sir Terry Matthews who created hundreds of companies and tens of thousands of jobs. You know, we're a high-tech se sector. We have more engineers, PhDs, and scientists per capita than any other city in Canada. So we're not just a government town. The government is our largest employer. High-tech is second. Uh, tourism and hospitality is third. When you look at what we did 
for Canada's 150th birthday, La Machine, the big giant spider and, and uh, dragon that we're going through downtown. Yeah. The Juno Awards we hosted, the Grey Cup, the NHL Outdoor Classic, marking the 100th anniversary of the first NHL game. Uh, dining on the Hill, we're at 1,000 people on Wellington Street uh, for a wonderful evening. Uh, Red Bull crashed ice right next to the Chateau Laurier. All of these things brought us international and national coverage uh, that, that sort of strips away this, this notion that we're sort of a gray flannel, boring kind of town. And you couple that with, you know, some, some of the best chefs in the country are located right here in Ottawa. Uh, you know, you think of just down the street, Stephen Becker or Joe at Coconut Lagoon uh, in the East End. Uh, these are all uh, great success stories that were um, developed right here in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, our city just became a city of one million. You know, there's, there's only a few cities in the, in the country that are one million. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, I'm very proud and very optimistic about the future. Obviously, COVID-19 has been a setback for every city in every country around the world. So we're on the same level plateau as everyone else. It's not as if this was a problem or a, or a virus that just struck our city. Everyone's grappling with how do we get out of this and how do we move forward? I think we're in a much stronger position. We have the stability of the federal public service, for instance. You know, most of the federal employees have kept their paycheck, which allows them when stores open and restaurants open again to go in and invest in you know, eating out or you know, buying stuff in some of the shops and so on. And I think, you know, the natural beauty of our city, we've got the Gatineau Hills, you know, you want to go skiing 15 minutes from downtown Ottawa, you could be at Camp Fortune. We've got, um, you know, the beauty of the Rideau Canal, the Ottawa River, the Rideau River, uh, we're next door to the province of Quebec. Uh, we've got uh, some amazing attractions in rural Ottawa, everything from the Diefenbunker in Carp to Watson's Mill in Manatic to the Cabena Sucre in Vanier. Uh, there's a lot for people to do. And Money Sense Magazine, for two years in a row, listed Ottawa as the best place to live and, and raise a family. So that's you know an objective look at Ottawa in terms of our affordability, our green space, our safety. And, uh, these are real selling points. It's one of the reasons why we project you know tens of thousands of more people over the course of the next uh, couple of decades want to move to Ottawa because uh, they think it's a pretty good quality of life and great opportunities uh, for education, our post-secondary institutions, as well as uh, some really top-notch businesses that people want to join. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, everything you just outlined there really does a great job of kind of outlining all the all the beautiful things that the city has to offer. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. But I think it's, you know, I think it might be a marketing thing. Maybe, maybe there's, there's just, a, you know, there's too many things too spread out and, you know, for a lot of the younger people, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of the times it's just parroting what other people might say about it being a boring city or this or that. But, yeah, but if not, you look, you know, sorry, if you, Deepak, if you look at, you know, the festivals, now obviously, you know, Blues Fest was canceled this year because of COVID-19, mm -hmm. but all of the, you know, we have over 100 festivals, Chamber Music Festival, Jazz, Chulo. Uh, they've all set, had a setback, obviously, uh, this year because of COVID. But uh, when those are up and running, you know, some of the, the greatest entertainers from around the world arrive in Ottawa to perform here. We've got the National Arts Centre, we've got the, the Shaw Centre, we've got the Canadian Tire Centre, the EY Centre. We now have more facilities than ever before to attract these, these groups. You know, the fact that we have a new convention centre, for instance, uh, the Shaw Centre, we couldn't have bid on the NHL All-Star Game 
because our old Congress Center was too small. So as a result of investing in the Convention Center, the Shaw Center, we can attract a lot more big events uh, than we've ever had before. Um, you know, we're, we're now uh, in the process uh, very shortly of um, starting to build a soundstage with Tribro, which is a big uh, Canadian company, and one of the biggest film companies in North America. And they want to locate their soundstage just across from the Nokian Sportsplex. So we've been working very hard with them, and that will attract even more of the creative class and more of the, the uh, cultural industries uh, that will support that important aspect of, of employment. You know, I'll give you a good example. We have so many amazing success stories, we probably don't toot our own horn enough. Uh, the Mickey Mouse cartoons, which is a worldwide phenomenon, all of them are made and uh, drawn right here in Ottawa. I did Think not know that. Mickey Mouse is, 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 is an Ottawa resident, if you, if you would. That's so that's you know one of the examples where I think we have to do a better job of selling our city. You know, we have this slogan we put on our signs coming into the city, Ottawa, Canada, in one city. Because when you think of it, we're very multicultural. Mm -hmm. We're bilingual. We've got all of these national institutions, the museums and the art institutions, like the Art National Gallery and the National Art Center. And sometimes we're too hard on ourselves and we're down on ourselves, but even, you know, small neighborhoods have these great activities, you know, whether it's the grape stomping on Preston Street or the Great Leap Garage Sale or Canada Day celebrations in some of the small rural communities. Yeah. There's a real sense of community and, and a sense, I think, of pride in our city. We're not perfect. We're not New York City. We're not Paris. But I think, uh, I think you know, people have a level of comfort here. We're a safe city. We're a clean city. Uh, and uh, it's something that you should be proud of. Awesome. You just gave me the name and title of this podcast. I'm going to call it Canada in One City. Great. <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, kind of the last topic I wanted to touch on because I know you don't have too much time here. Um, and I'll definitely get you back on someday and hopefully have you in, in my studio so we can chat in person. But, uh, you know, in terms of... Uh, You're a Patriots fan. <laughs> yes, Patrick, my press secretary, is a Patriots fan, although I don't know if he's going to go with Tom Brady. And his new <laughs> no, we were just talking about it before uh, before getting on. Like, he's, he's Patriots uh, forever. <laughs> um, in terms of the, you know, the LRT, now this is a, a big, crazy, and contentious project that's gone on a long time. And I personally don't know, I, I don't read too much news or, or, or this kind of stuff, but I do see headlines. And I know a lot of people who, who ride it. Uh, I personally don't uh, luckily have to ride uh, any public transportation. But, uh, you know, just seeing uh, how the whole situation was handled. Just briefly, would you, you know, if you could go back and handle that project differently as, as you know, speaking for the city, would you have? Yeah, I think that the challenge we had is that, you know, um, the vast majority of trips on the train uh, work without a problem. I think it's something like 98%. But the problem is that 2% represents thousands of, of trips. And, you know, if someone's left behind or the platform is, is overcrowded or one of the trains breaks down, it has a ripple effect. So it's not making excuses. It's just stating the reality that when you buy a new system, uh, there's going to be glitches. And we've had our fair share of glitches. You know, I, I talk to mayors in other cities. Every time new transit systems come on board in their cities, there are problems with it. It doesn't work 100% of the time. There could be a medical emergency. There could be a power outage and so on. And so the system, I feel very confident, is the right system for Ottawa. We just got to get the reliability up to closer to 100%. Right. And we're working on that. We've had 
you know, I think the, the last couple of weeks where we've uh, had very few customers, obviously, because most people are working from home or sadly have lost their jobs. I was on the train, uh, I guess, last week, and I think in my car there were just three of us in, in the train because you know, it's not being used and we're, we're losing a lot of money, obviously, as a result of lost revenue. But at the end of the day, um, you know, our challenge is we've got to get through this first phase because right now everyone is being dropped off in the West End at Tunney's, in the South End at Herdman, and in the East End at Blair. And that creates a lot of, lot of pressure on those three stations. When we go farther east uh, to Trim Road, farther west to Moody Drive, and farther south to the airport in Riverside South, it disperses the crowds so that people can get on the train and not have to wait to get on a bus to get on the train and drop mm-hmm. them off at Tunney's Pasture. So that process, phase two, is fully funded now. The work is being done. You can see work if you go down by the airport parkway or on the 174 or on the Byron Linear Park in the West End. And um, we've got to keep the pressure up on the, the builder because we're the customer and we're paying good money for this, but we're withholding payments, basically tens of millions of dollars, until they get the system up to our satisfaction. So right. we have a contract in place and they've got to do a better job. And you know, I meet on this issue once a week as a minimum, I continue to put pressure on uh, the RTG group. But you know, look at, there's, uh, there's no question, um, uh, when it's working, it's a really great system. When it's not working and there's a glitch, it's really frustrating. Absolutely. Um, kind of the last question to just wrap it up here. This is, this is personally, I've always wanted to have the answer to this, but I don't know who to ask. So why not ask the mayor, right? Um, is there ever going to be an arena built near downtown Ottawa? I mean, as a, I'm asking, I'm speaking for all my East Ender buddies, uh, you know, having to take the bus all the way to Canada to watch a Sens game or, or a concert or something. Is there going to be something downtown in the next 10, 15 years? Uh, I'm optimistic that there will be. I hope there will be. You know, um, the Senators and their partner, Trinity, uh, tried to put together a, a deal at Le Breton Flats. Uh, it would have been the ideal location because we have two transit train stops there, Pimacy and, and uh, Bayview. Uh, and now they're in court fighting it out, so that, thing, that whole thing collapsed. But uh, one of the things about... Um, and I'm glad I'm on the NCC board as a, as a non-voting member, um, excuse me, is that they're going through a redevelopment part two, I guess, or phase two of, of that site. And um, I've insisted, and they've agreed now, that they carve off an area of um, the site at LeBreton, which would be the equivalent of what the arena was going to take, uh, take up in, in the old proposal. And put grass and trees and keep it as a temporary park until that day comes when uh, either the owner changes his mind or there's a new owner or the NHL steps in and we actually have um, uh, a willing um, tenant or a willing investor to, to, uh, to build an arena down there. Not with tax dollars, but with their own dollars because the problem now, as you know, and living in the East End, there's virtually no walk-up traffic to a Senators game because no one lives around the CTC, it's all empty or stores or, you know, the brick warehouse or Lazy Boy or whatever. So we need that walk-up traffic, and you'd have that in spades being downtown. You'd have the whole downtown crowd. You'd have the Gatineau crowd plus the East End. They wouldn't have to go all the way to Canada. They could stay downtown after work, go and have a 
dinner and a drink and then go off to the game. So uh, I think it just makes enormous sense to be in the downtown. Every major sports arena facility, with I think two or three exceptions in North America, are downtown connected to transit. Because yeah. when I go to a Sens game, I usually leave at the beginning of the third period because I don't want to get stuck in the parking lot. Exactly. You know, you're there thing. for like a half an hour. Yeah, thousand <laughs> percent. I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, um, common sense will prevail because uh, you look at the season the Sens had, there are a lot of empty seats that they couldn't fill. Yep. No, and, and I really like the idea of, at least in the meantime, using the space <laughs> whether it be a park or, or anything. Uh, Mayor Watson, this, is, this has been amazing. I know you've got to get going. The way I usually wrap up my podcast is with a lightning round. I'm just going to do three quick questions, and then we'll, we'll end right. it off. Sure. Uh, so first question, what's your go-to restaurant in the city? And don't worry, you won't hurt any feelings. Uh, well, you know what? I have like about uh, 10 go-to <laughs> restaurants, everything from Swiss Chalet to Moe's Newport Restaurant to Louis Pizza, uh, to uh, the, the Riviera, uh, to McDonald's. So I'm, nice. uh, I'm hitting them all. <laughs> I love it. One piece of advice you would, uh, you would give to 20-year-old Jim Watson? Um, probably um, after um, I graduated from university, I should have gone on to law school. So I had another degree to fall back on, but I was uh, so bored and tired of school. I just wanted to get out and start working. <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that. And then last and final question before we end off today, how do you want to be remembered? I'll leave that for others to decide. It's, it's too much of an egotistical question to ask a politician. So the, the, the public and historians and journalists will decide my fate after I'm long gone. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've got a, an incredibly busy schedule. Thank you for uh, being an amazing mayor and uh, have an amazing day. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to be back. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Bye.